God has a wife. Jesus has the soul of a woman and Eve's actions do not mark the original sin, but a crucial step towards mankind's salvation. This is the creation story like you never heard it before. This hidden knowledge was forbidden by the church and rejected from the Bible, and anybody caught with this text was put to death. This knowledge could be exactly what the world needs to save itself from division and self-destruction. What did this secret text reveal, and why was the church so threatened by it? I am Shauna the Artist, and I talk about God's word, but from the feminine perspective. If you're easily offended, switch off now, because the content I create is controversial. If you're still here, welcome to another episode of Shauna Speaks, podcast edition. Please like and subscribe now to make sure that you don't miss an episode. The secret gospel of John is a Gnostic gospel. If you don't know who the Gnostics are, watch my video titled Christianity We Haven't Tried Yet, Banned, Rejected and Forbidden from the Bible. I will link it in the description. The secret gospel of John is the first work known to man that combines a narrative of Christian theology, cosmology and salvation. Presented as a revelation from Jesus to his disciple John, It tells an account of the origins of the universe and humanity, the nature of evil and suffering, divine masculine and feminine energy, and the path to salvation. It is bursting with imagery of powerful female saviours and even identifies Christ as one of them. We have Barbello, who is regarded as the feminine aspect of God. Sophia, an angelic light being who presents the divine wisdom that Christ expressed through his teachings. And Eve, who is sent as a helper by the highest angels to help liberate Adam and shine light on a shadowy world. Now I know that last part especially stands backwards, but stay with me. At the heart of this deeply spiritual story lies a powerful social critique of injustice and a radical affirmation of the true God's compassion for humanity's suffering. The secret gospel of John was immediately considered heretical by the Orthodox Church. Early Christian and Roman rulers, who declared themselves the authors of the Bible, cited the secret gospel of John as part of their refutation of heresy. Why? Well, the underlying premise of the Apocryphon of John is the same as Gnostic spirituality in general. That is, that firstly, humanity has the ability to liberate itself from suffering without guidance from the church or any other religious institution. They are able to do this through introspection, critical thinking and self-reflection. And lastly, physical things, including the world and especially the human body, are fundamentally illusions designed to confuse humanity and steer them away from that which is good for their spirits. Religious institutions wanted to keep this information from the masses because when you are trying to control a population, the last thing you want them to believe is that they are all-knowing and all-powerful. So what exactly does the Gnostic creation story say? And how does it differ from the version in the canonical Bible? According to the secret gospel of John, Jesus appeared to John shortly after the crucifixion and explain the true story of what happened in the beginning. Jesus tells John that there is a single perfect being called the monad, the one, or the perfect mind, which everything came from. That perfect mind had perfect thoughts, 
and generated a divine feminine partner named Barbello, who represents the feminine aspect of God. Here is something really interesting. Listen to how the gospel describes Barbello. It says, Her light reflects his light. She is the universal womb. She is before everything. She is mother, father, first man, Holy Spirit, thrice male, thrice powerful, thrice named, androgynous eternal realm, first to arise among the invisible realms. It is saying that she is both masculine and feminine. The Gnostics believe that this was crucial for understanding the divine nature of God. Together, Barbello and the Monad emanated throughout the heavenly Pleroma, which was a perfect invisible spirit realm of light and goodness. They created a group of eternal godlike beings called Aeons. Examples of such Aeons include intention, silence, grace and love. The most significant Aeon in this story is the female Sophia. Sophia is the goddess of wisdom and is central to Gnostic mythology. Unfortunately, Sophia made a mistake. Sophia's great mistake was that she broke the order of divine creation by acting on her own without a male counterpart. And she produced a dark and imperfect being, which the Gnostics named Yaldabaoth. Ashamed of her creation, Sophia immediately cast Yaldabaoth out of the spirit realm of light and goodness. His disconnection from the spirit realm and the monad drives him insane. And in his hysteria, he creates a gross physical copy of the heavenly pleroma. This is the universe that we are a part of. He also produces dark spiritual beings called archons and postured himself as the god of all creation. The secret gospel of John says, because she had created it without her masculine counterpart, she gave rise to a misshapen being, unlike herself. Sophia saw what her desire produced. It changed into the form of a dragon with a lion's head and eyes with flashing lightning bolts. She cast him far from her, outside of the realm of the immortal beings, so that they could not see him. She had created him in ignorance. She named him Yaldabaoth. Yaldabaoth is the chief ruler. He took great power from his mother, left her and moved away from his birthplace. He assumed command, created realms for himself with a brilliant flame that continues to exist even now. Sophia eventually admits her mistake to the monad. Not only did he forgive her, but the other Aeons agreed to help Sophia restore goodness to Yaldabaoth and save the inhabitants of his inferior creation from eternal suffering. Yaldabaoth proclaims to the Archons, he says, I am God, there is no other like me. Sophia cries out from above, you are wrong, blind God, an immortal human will come and throw you into the abyss. The monad shoots a beam of light down from the kingdom above, straight through all levels of the demonic world and strikes the earth. A vision appears, a man Likely Jesus, although he isn't named. By now, all the Archons have realised that Yaldabaoth is not the highest being in the cosmos, and they laugh at him. Yaldabaoth and the Archons then become worried about the human vision, and they decide to recreate a figure in his image. 
they intend to trap him by making him fall in love with Yaldabaoth. What they don't realise is that this all plays into a plan already set out by the higher powers. The birth of the human one will eventually send the powers of darkness into the abyss for good. This proto-Adam is a sorry sight. He exists only as bare life with no independent thoughts or desires. He cannot get up or move. He is in the words of the original text, nothing more than the aborted fetus of demons. By the monad's sacred command, he sent down five lights in the form of principal advisors to Yaldabaoth. They told Yaldabaoth, blow some of your spirit in the man's face, then his body will rise up. Yaldabaoth blew some of his spirit into the man. That spirit was the divine power of his mother. His mother's divine power left Yaldabaoth. It entered the psychic human body. Modelled on the original image, the human body moved. It grew powerful. It shone. The dark ruler and his archons realise that the man is more intelligent and more powerful than they are. Because of this, they throw him down into the darkest place in the universe, planet Earth, and trap him in Eden. The archons wanted to remove Adam's divine insight, but they realised wisdom could not be destroyed. So they took it out of Adam and tried to hide it in a new being, Eve. The Gnostic Eden was no paradise. It was a miserable prison and the tree of knowledge of good and evil was the only thing within it that was magnificent. Its fruits could cure Adam and Eve of their ignorance and the forces of the Pleroma would be able to descend onto earth and bring it the light that it desperately needed. Of course, the tree was concealed by the Archons, who forbid the pear from eating its fruit. In a shocking twist to tradition, Christ then reveals to John that he entered the serpent to persuade Eve to eat the fruit. Jesus said to John, As for the tree called the knowledge of good and evil, it is the epinoia, or wisdom, of the light. They command him not to eat from it, standing in front to conceal it. For they, the Archons, fear that he might look upwards to the fullness and know the nakedness of his indecency. However, I cause them to eat. When Christ talks of Adam and Eve being naked and indecent, what he's trying to explain is that Adam and Eve have no self-awareness. Think of an animal, any animal, a cat, a dog, a bear. They have some sense of awareness, but this does not go beyond animal instinct. They are ignorant. They do not care that they are naked and they do not have a sense of shame. Jesus persuades them to eat the fruit so that they can come out of their low vibrational animal-like state and into a higher state of consciousness. As we know, Eve eats the apple and convinces Adam to do the same. The humans then become self-aware and as a result, the evil leaders curse all of humanity. Yaldabaoth creates a system designed to enslave Adam's descendants. By suppressing knowledge, he maintains control over an imperfect world filled with human beings who are ignorant of themselves. But because of Eve, the humans have now wised up to their corrupt world. And Yaldabaoth has forgotten one all-important detail. The moment Adam and Eve obtained wisdom was the moment that they fell in love. 
This narrative critiques androcentric theology and patriarchal social structures. It says that God must be acknowledged as feminine as well as masculine. It says that the feminine spirit within Christ is what has and what will continue to save humanity. It says that Eve is not the source of sin and death, but the illuminator of Adam and saviour of the world. It is crucial that humanity accepts this. But that's just what I think. As usual, I'm more interested in what you all have to say. Does this version of the creation story make sense to you? Are there enough examples of strong women in the canonical Bible? Is there a feminine aspect to Christ? Did Eve curse us forever? Or is it possible that she saved us? Let me know in the comments and we'll chat. If you thought this was interesting, like and subscribe for more. Consider supporting me by purchasing some of my artwork. The link will pop up right here or it will be below if you're listening to this. I can't tell you how much it helps. And again, subscribe and share now so that we can have some deep conversations and share this knowledge. Thank you, my friends, and I'll see you next time.